Welcome to Cordell and Cordell's Men's Divorce Podcast, moderated by managing partner and CEO Scott Trout, bringing you information for guys before, during, and after divorce, and everything related to family law. This podcast is not to be taken as legal advice, and no attorney-client relationship is established. Hey, welcome back to the Men's Divorce and Cordell Cordell Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, Managing Partner, CEO of Cordell and Cordell, and we continue to bring you great topics about you know family law, divorce modifications, before, during, after, and as we talk about that, as you already may know, the entire month of June, we are celebrating Father's Day, not just on Father's Day or the weekend of Father's Day, but the entire month, we're celebrating Fridays. So Father's Fridays, if you haven't tuned in yet, you should tune in on a Friday and watch. We're bringing in resources. You know, most of the time in our podcast and our town halls, normally we talk about strategy, about divorce and modification and fighting for custody and maximizing your time. But here on Father's Fridays, we're just talking about uplifting resources. Last time we talked about an amazing app that you can use with your kids to create topics of conversation about investing, saving, uh, in learning responsibility of chores. Uh, it was wonderful. So continue to tune in, check us out on social media. You join on, it's free. And we give away stuff. Last time, two weeks ago, we gave away gift cards, $25 Visa gift cards. So just for joining, just for tuning in, doesn't cost you anything, you should do it. Check us out, Father's Fridays at 12 o'clock Central Time, you need to check it out. So today we're joined by one of our attorneys, Chelsea up in Wisconsin, welcome. Hi Scott, thank you for having me. So let's talk about, this is a good one. I was reading through kind of the, the topic and I think it's it's kind of a wonderful idea for even a seminar. You know, we've done a seminar that's titled, uh, my wife's filed for divorce, now what? Now we can say something to the fact of your divorce is over, now what? Because that really is a great topic that you've been through so much and how stressful it may or may not be. If you're one of the fortunate ones where it's easy and fast and smooth, you know, there's stress still, but for the majority, you know, you get this culmination of, of a very stressful moment in time and, you know, you don't know what to do. You know, you think it's over when it's really perhaps not so over in that you have a laundry list of things to do and you don't even know where to begin. And this is where you step in. So our viewers need to get a piece of paper and a pen and start taking some notes about what they should be doing if they're just freshly divorced or, hey, you may have been divorced a while ago and you're going to hear some things that you forgot to do. It's not too late, probably. So let's talk a little bit about that and, and start with if you're divorced by agreement, right? So what should you be thinking about if you're divorced by consent agreement? What do you do? I think we see so many people who have this agreement. They're like, this is fantastic. And then they don't realize I need to take care of some loose ends or I need to go and change my beneficiaries. And so I think, A, we're looking at if you have kids, you know, is that child support coming out of your paycheck automatically? Or are you supposed to set up a, a trust account with your state? You know, what's required there? Do you know that you're supposed to tell them if your address changes, if your job changes? You know, so that's usually the most pressing. What do you need to do the minute your divorce is finalized? Mm -hmm. But even more so, are we closing bank accounts? Are we refinancing things? You know, just sitting down and kind of going, okay, take the emotions out of this. What are the next steps for me? And yeah. what is my ex-spouse supposed to do? 
and, and you're not alone. I mean, you should be meeting with your attorney and, and, and have that conversation. I think sometimes from our side, we may get in a, we just have a conversation on the phone or we send them a judgment or the agreement. Here you are, you're divorced, keep this in a safe place. Good luck. But we should really, I mean, why not come on in, have a sit down because there may be things that so many be finalized with the court pleadings or get the house is being awarded to someone. I mean, that's something they should consider, right? Yes, absolutely. And I think too, like you said, emotions are heightened on that last day, whether it's excitement because it's finally over or devastation because it's over. Even if you think you know what you're supposed to do, like have that recap meeting or take that email and say, I want to talk through this to make sure I exactly what I'm supposed to do. And am I thinking that those are the right steps? Also clarifying what are you supposed to do as the client and what is your attorney doing on your behalf or what is the court doing on your behalf? Um, Because we're still involved. A lot of people think, close our file, I'm done. And we're sitting there going, no, 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 you need me to draft that qualified domestic relations order to get your retirement account divided. Or are we waiting for the judge to sign the order and we want to make sure that's correct. So don't just kind of think that the role is done at that point. Um, And then obviously, if you don't have an attorney, you can still come talk to us and we'll walk through what are you supposed to do. And there are, I mean, things that are very, what we consider standard. For example, I'm in the middle of one where one of the uh, parties is going to be awarded the house. So both are on there. Maybe there needs to be a quick claim deed. The bank is not likely to do it if you don't do anything with the mortgage. And that's oftentimes a a confusion as to when you quit claim deed, you're not necessarily removing someone from the mortgage, the obligation. So there's a quick claim deed that needs to be done. So you need to check because that is often overlooked, right? Absolutely. And a lot of people, they'll know the quick claim deed needs to be done and they sign it. And then they don't know that you're supposed to do a real estate transfer return or file it with the county. And so they've done everything, you know, thinking they're complete and years later, you're going to sell the house and you're going, oh my gosh, I have to call up my ex to get them to sign off on this. I, you know, we know you haven't got, most people haven't gone through this before and you're not lawyers. So, you know, your attorney should be more than happy to to really break it down and dumb it down of who needs to draft it, who needs to sign it, who's filing it. And yes, banks are not going to sit there and do extra steps most of the time. Retirement. Uh, I can't tell you, you know, how long it's been since. I mean, I've seen so many uh, cases where either for the most part, I could say this. Um, my clients are typically the ones who are um, having some of their retirement divided. And I can tell you that opposing party, opposing counsel fail to do the one thing that's necessary to divide it. But that's something that all clients should be on alert for. And that is how to divide the retirement. It's a big mistake, right? Absolutely. I mean, it it can be an expensive mistake too. There are benefits to dividing things pursuant to a a divorce versus an early withdrawal. I think these are some of the most expensive, complicated post-judgment issues. Our office had a case that made it up to the Court of Appeals because nobody divided the retirement account in 1992 and now everybody's sitting, can we even do that? You know, yeah. is the plan administrator going to accept these? Thank goodness in that situation, nobody went and emptied out the account. But the longer yeah. you wait, you kind of run risk there. But also plan administrators want things to be done to a T. And so you want to make sure that document matches what your divorce judgment said. Are we, you know, what data are we using for the valuation? Are we dividing by percentage? 
do you even need that qualified domestic relations order or can your retirement account send you a form that you sign? A lot of, I think states are starting to recognize this is a huge problem. And so some courts are even kind of saying, who's that burden on to get that done? And it can also stop an attorney with, from withdrawing if it's not being taken care of. Yeah. And so much is, you know, I, I thinking as you were talking about taking up to the Court of Appeals, I had one many years ago where the retirement in here in Missouri did not, wasn't divided for over 10 years and the statute of limitations had run and mm-hmm. there was nothing they could do. It was over. They didn't take any action to enforce a judgment, to renew the judgment. And so that was money lost. Couldn't get it. And that, and that was fine because it was our client's retirement. So in, in essence, he was awarded 100%. That was one of the issues here in Wisconsin was when did that 10 years start? Was it the date of divorce? Was it the day that the party could retire? Um, and actually, our courts concluded it wasn't until that retirement started paying out. So that's how they could, you know, kind of extend that. But nobody wants to be in that situation where you're right. spending tens of thousands of dollars with something that could have been done right the first time. It just needs to be, you know, uh, it, it's like a checklist. And it's kind of and it, obviously we can't get through the entire checklist, but having that sit down is so important because there may be to do's action items for you pursuant to the agreement, like uh, paying uh, equalization payment, money that uh, balances out the property distribution, right? Right. What's the timeline for that? How are you supposed to pay them? Um, Is there another triggering event? You know, Mm -hmm. some agreements are really creative and they say you don't owe that equalization payment until you sell the house after the kids graduate from high school. You know, who knows how long that is. And and again, you don't want to be sitting there trying to fine tune things. Um, no matter what, never pay cash for that equalization yeah. payment, you know, create a paper trail, create a receipt. Is it supposed to go through your attorneys? Um, all those things hopefully are spelled out in your agreement, but oftentimes they're not. One of the things that's easily overlooked because it's never really discussed in the divorce, because it's not necessarily an asset or a debt, is changing beneficiaries on life insurance, powers of attorney on who's making healthcare decisions, uh, whatever that may be, that is something that I really, really feel strongly about that is overlooked. Yes. I mean, I think people think, oh, I'll get to that. And I, I think it's hard enough to get people to do wills and powers of attorney anyway. Um, but also looking at things like what does your employer have listed as your beneficiary? It might be something that you're not proactively you know, hiring someone to draft and do you really want your ex-spouse getting it? Um, or are you required to do that because there's children and we're using it as security for those support payments? Um, same, I think powers of attorney, especially for medical decision-making are huge. You know, people get remarried and don't realize that their ex is still listed or they, you know, whatever that may be, um, it, it, things beyond what your divorce judgment is allocating yeah. is, is huge to look at. It was huge during COVID, especially I was telling all my clients, I'm like, look, I, you, no one knows. Maybe if you go get intubated, who's going to make the decisions for you? And you have a power of attorney, or if you don't, it's going to default to your spouse. And that may be the last person you want making a decision for you, you know, not to be you know morbid, but um, so now let's walk through what is the difference if the case is, a, is decided by a trial? What other things should be considered if a judge issues in order. I think one of the main things we have to think about is, you know, is that judge doing a written order? Are they doing an oral order? And who's then distilling that down into, you know, that paper that you reference? You know, you don't want to leave your trial thinking you have a final decision, 
but actually it's not spelled out or it is. And is there a dispute as to what that really means? Um, also, because if you're going to trial, there's it's probably not something that you're maybe as happy with or that the other side maybe isn't as happy with. So again, understanding what they're ordering, you know, do you have a proactive duty to kind of poke opposing party to say, this 90 days started now, or, you know, have you refinanced the house? Um, especially if the court's ordering the house sold, you know, how are you going to cooperate with that realtor who has to sign off on what? Um, so I just think because trials are usually more contentious, you're probably not leaving that final hearing with your judgment distilled into writing. Um, again, kind of knowing what's the timeline for that, who has the burden to do what. And so one of the things it's, you know, you rely on your lawyer to do and trust that they'll do it all. But I think it's worthy of a second pair of eyes to make sure that it's covered everything. Is there something that wasn't included in the judgment? Did they forget to divide an asset? Or, I mean, and that's a conversation. Doesn't mean you there's an action item, but the action item is to have that conversation with your lawyer about it and review the judgment. Absolutely. And ask the questions. It may feel like it's stupid or that, you know, oh, a lawyer must know what they're doing. But if it pops into your head and you're going, I don't know what I'm supposed to do with this, ask, should that be specified? Who has the burden to do things or who's supposed to proactively go to the bank and close the account? Do you two need to both do it? So therefore, do we need you know, a two-week deadline that you'll physically go in together? Um, I think a lot of issues we see is where two sides are kind of going, it doesn't tell me what to do and I think I should do it this way and you think you should do it that way. Nobody's wrong. Um, but could your attorney have added in one extra sentence that says, yeah. this is how we're going to do it to make sure that that final judgment is just as clear as possible. So talk about custody and child support together because, you know, they go hand in hand. The common questions I would imagine, well, when does it begin? When do I pay? How do I pay? Where do I mail it? Um, what form should it be in? When do I get to see my kids? When does this complex schedule in my divorce decree start? Those are all the things I imagine uh, should be going through their mind. Absolutely. I mean, again, some of those things sound sort of simple for a lot of people because they're going, my schedule's week on, week off. What do you mean you don't know when it would be? But a lot of people have separate holiday schedules or summer vacation schedules. Does that start the first week school ends? Does that start the full first, the first full week off? You know, like you mentioned with the support payment, also asking. If my income changes, do I have to go in and file? Will the state file for me? Um, when a child drops off and ages out, do they automatically adjust that? Or is the burden on you to file if you're the person with the change? Um, does anything happen to you if you're getting the benefit of nobody else filing? You know, Do you run any risks? Um, I think a lot of people assume those support numbers are going to change as a child ages off. And again, in Wisconsin, if you don't file anything, they just let it run and run and run and there's no way to backdate it. So I think knowing what, what should trigger things, how do you come back in the future? Do you have to wait a certain amount of time to come back? Those are all things that you should leave your divorce knowing. Yeah. I mean, you know, depending on the age of your kids, are they getting ready to go to college? For So Missouri, it's 21. So most parents here are paying into some part of college as long as they're enrolled. I mean, I've always get to get the questions of, all right, when do I stop paying? They're living away for nine months of the year. Do I keep paying? Just having those conversations to prepare yourself so that you know what steps are next and know what to do and not panic and have to scramble at the end. 
Right. I mean, in Wisconsin, it's 18 or 19 if they're still in high school. And so same thing, your kid is turning 18 mid senior year. You want to know, do I have to keep paying? What if they stop taking it out of my check? Am I responsible? Um, Again, you know, there's no harm in asking the question, even if you think you know the answer, or even if you have that email that says that thing, you know, double down and and double check, really. Yeah. And then, you know, we've talked about um, beneficiaries, but particularly, you know, work-related beneficiaries. That's those benefits, those things that may be on there that you're not thinking about that maybe your uh, employer provides for life insurance for you, they're not paying for, and you've listed them before, or 401ks, IRAs, pension, any of those things in which you need to be thinking about going to your HR department and saying, hey, who are my beneficiaries? And I need to just review them and maybe consider making some changes. Absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to list your kids? Do you want to list your sister or friend? The worst you find out is that it's not your ex-spouse and you have nothing to change. Um, Also, the people out there that if you know your family has a trust, you know, double checking with them. Do we need to change anything in that now that I'm divorced? Um, Do we need to make sure that it, you know, skips straight to the next generation or whatnot? The worst thing you can do is do nothing and find out you did it wrong. Mm -hmm. You probably won't find out until you're gone. Um, So make this easier for your family and for your children later on. Yeah. And talking with CPAs or just, I mean, I'm thinking all throughout the list is change, making sure you change passwords if you haven't done so already. Uh, contact lists, emergency contacts, things that I guarantee you, after having gone through a divorce, you're not thinking about those things. And uh, it's a matter of getting your attorney to kind of what I'll call a go list. These are the things they're going to mm-hmm. hand you. Of these are the checklists you should just be thinking about. You know, you know, look if you feel overwhelmed, you don't have to do it all, but you should be considering it all. And you can prioritize. You know, you're going to go in and say, okay, I know these things are on a timeline. I need to do those in 30, 60, 90 days. And then there's the once that's taken care of, let me go and make sure, making sure simple things. Are you still paying for the Netflix account that you don't use anymore? You know, kind of making sure that things yeah. didn't fall through the cracks when you're incredibly overwhelmed. You know, simple things like in your cell phone, who's listed as your in case of emergency contact. Um, but yeah, you don't have to tackle it all in one fell swoop. Also lean on family and friends to kind of help you work through that list. And same thing, you can always go to your attorney two, three months later and say, this is what I've done. Do you think I'm missing anything from here? And we're there to look at both what does the legal order say, but also to give you that practical, you know, life knowledge of going, hey, you might want to double check with your employer um, or here's some other things we've had clients find out that someone was a beneficiary and, and, you know, that's the anomaly, but double check. When you said Netflix, it, it reminded me of something that I overlooked, not in a divorce, but it, I guarantee you it should apply. Um, I sold a car, but never gave a thought that I had Sirius XM subscription in the car and I wound up paying for it for a year and had no <laughs> idea until I got the renewal bill. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I, I, why didn't I think about canceling the Sirius for the last year that someone else that bought my car was driving? But hey, you're giving up a car and divorce. Maybe it's time to cancel that Sirius XM subscription. Exactly. And bringing up cars, you know, do you need to get that title changed over? I think that's one thing that people tend to not have at the top of their mind because maybe you haven't looked at that title in a long time. Um, You know, again, we don't want you to have to two years from now have to go chase somebody down to get them to sign something because you just forgot. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Well, Chelsea, it's overwhelming, obviously. Um, And then as we end, we, you know, we've kind of gone through a list of things to do 
that that don't touch on to taking care of yourself because that is often overlooked right. by divorce and then the stress both physically and mentally that's the one thing that should be high on the priority list is taking care of yourself absolutely talk to someone i think everyone needs to like decompress vent get it out um talk about your frustrations you know the best way you can be the best parent or even just the best ex-spouse is to find a healthy means to cope. And, you know, lawyers are here to listen, but we don't have that capability of being that medical professional um, to help you with it. But we can also give you recommendations of things to yeah. do as well. It's interesting. And as I always I peek over at my my license, it says attorney and counselor. You know, you <laughs> think when people read that, like, oh, yes, I can talk about therapy with my attorney. And we often are just a set of years. And we're not licensed counselors in, a, in the context of therapeutic you know, services. But it is. It's so equally important to not only check your physical health, but your mental health. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, Chelsea, thanks. Great stuff. We could go down a list. It's probably 100 checklists long. But thanks for your time today and I appreciate it. Good things. Thank you, Scott. We'll continue to tune in. Subscribe to this podcast. You're going to get updated every time we drop a new one with great information just like this from Chelsea. You can check us out online at CordellCordell.com and you can schedule a consultation. If you have questions about what you just went through, you can just go come into it and have a conversation with one of our attorneys and just make sure that everything's been taken care of. Give you a list of things that you need to do or we can take care of that for you. You can get a schedule, a consult by just going to the website at cordellcordell.com. You can do it online. You don't have to speak with anyone. You can search for an office near you, pick your date and your time and your office location, or you can give us a call at 866-DADS-LAW, cordellcordell.com. Check us out on social media. Don't forget to tune into Father's Fridays and subscribe to this podcast. Until next time, have a great week.